This is the Reluctant Leader Podcast, the podcast designed to help you step out of the shadows and become an inspirational leader. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and each episode I will be getting to grips with a leadership topic by interviewing an expert in their field. I'll be picking their brains for those golden nuggets that will help you be the best you can be. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing at thereluctantleader.co.uk and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. So let's get on with the show. Today I'm talking to James Sale. James is the creator of Motivational Maps and the founder of Motivational Maps Limited. He's a speaker, writer and thought leader in the worldwide movement to transform how management works by enabling the ego-centered, fear-based 20th century top-down control model to be superseded by a 20th century dynamic bottom-up engagement focused approach. His three books, Mapping Motivation, Mapping Motivation for Coaching and Mapping Motivation for Engagement, published by Routledge, are the definitive text on how to do this by specifically addressing the question of employee motivation and its correlation with performance, productivity and profitability. James has nearly 500 management consultants and business coaches in 14 countries that are licensed to use his product with corporates, small and medium-sized businesses and public sector organisations. I hope you enjoy this chat we had about motivation and I will catch you all on the other side. So welcome, James, to the Rupton Leader podcast. Thanks very much, Mark. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. Uh, we've known each other for 20 years now. We've worked together. So actually, it's like coming home, really, talking to you. It's great news. It has been a long time. We can obviously talk about um, our first meeting and what that was all about um, as we go along. Um, but before we get into that, I think we should find out a bit about you and uh, specifically, uh, why you do what you do, and what was the pivotal moment to, that started you along the path? Well, as I said to you uh, some time ago, Mark, you know, it's uh, really these things are um, so convoluted and you don't want to bore people to death. But in essence, why I do what I do is I'm following my destiny. So, what that means is I'm actually following the unveiling of the purpose of my life through the power of the divine. And the opposite of that is to be a victim of fate. So when you're a victim of fate, you have to do something. You feel trapped and usually you have trapped yourself. So for example, my mother who died last year, aged 91, one month before she died, she said to me, I didn't think it would end like this it actually had ended really badly for my mother, despite all that everyone tried to do to help her because she was trapped in her own thinking, thinking that was negative and that was not helpful to her and which disappointed. So I'm actually working through the purpose of my life. And actually this purpose, it was not clear to me when I started. It was unimaginable. And looking back at it now, it's greater than anything I could ever have conceived of at the outset. And, and it's a process of discovery, which means, of course, that I have consistently in my life made some terrible mistakes, but I haven't persevered with them. Having made the mistake, there is a lesson to be learned from this, 
and I have readjusted and got back on track. And then when you get back on track, you hear this kind of inner voice, which is also an outer voice telling you that is where you're going. So I am actually fulfilling my destiny. And that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And this destiny has led me to have various jobs, to find myself completely unemployable because I don't like working for other people, to become self-employed, a very important distinction for 10 or 11 years and to run a a business, self-employed business, and then to realize that a self-employed business isn't really a business at all, that in fact, a real business is the kind of business that makes money while you're sleeping and not just necessarily while you're trading your time for money. So uh, it was the sense of aging, the sense of, you know, um, you know, what was I going to do? I couldn't go on forever training people and coaching people that led me, partly led me to develop this idea of the motivational map in 2006 and before, in fact, but it went online in 2006 so that I could create something that would influence people in a profound way, that would add value, that would do something that was part of what really passionately interested me, but at the same time would create a business that generated revenues for me even when I didn't... uh, I didn't actually work. And actually, the the crux of this came about in 2011, because as you probably know, Mark, uh, in 2011, I nearly died of cancer. And I was in hospital for three months. I was out of work for nine months. But the great thing was, even though I wasn't actually working, the business was already still functioning. And so I was still generating a revenue while I was ill and in a sickbed. So that's, that was really, really important that I, I've actually managed to create this something which works for me, even when I'm not working. Yes, uh, and that is quite, quite profound, some of that stuff, but it's worth remembering those things. Um, I, I uh, can remember um, one of the uh, books you've written, um, it actually mentions your mission. That's obviously not surprising. Oh, yeah. That's all about motivation, if you want to share that with the listeners. Yeah, well, my mission really is a sort of three-part mission, which is really about, I realized that it came to me that the purpose of my life was to motivate people. But when you break that down, it's I need to motivate myself first and foremost, because unless I'm highly motivated, then I can't motivate other people. Energy is contagious. Energy is infectious. You know, nobody (laughs) goes up and fights a war when when the general says, oh, Go over the trenches and, you know, attack the enemy. It's boring. You know, you've got to have it. Let's get them, lads. Let's get them, lasses. Let's let's do it. And that energy, that power, then suddenly, yeah, let's do it then. Let's do it. And so everyone gets it. So the first thing about motivating is self-motivation. The second thing about motivation is, well, I need to motivate my nearest and dearest and the people around me, the teams, the people I work with. And so all of that, all that proximity stuff that's around me needs to be motivated. But I think to achieve greatness, you have to widen it to the third point where you're saying, well, really, I need to motivate the world. Now, I don't mean that in the literal sense, I need to construct something that's going to motivate the world. What I mean is, is that the influence of what you're doing on the individual, and if you want to call it the family team level, spreads out. And so you become an influence in your society, in your community, for actually being motivational, having and generating energy so that, in fact, other people are enabled thereby to achieve their dreams, their hopes, their aspirations. Right. Yep. And I can't let you um, go on any further before we mention 
um, motivational speakers. Have you got um, uh, uh, anything to say about motivational speakers? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I regularly get um, uh, confused for one. I get, I get um, people think I'm a motivational speaker. Uh, and actually once, and, and this is where I get this little story from really, once somebody said to me, uh, I won't mention uh, who, but uh, somebody said, I said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm involved in motivation. So, oh, rah-rah then. You know, so rah-rah, I was a rah-rah person, <laughs> which is like, a, um, you know, I, I think he meant a very fluffy person with no substance whatsoever, but somehow jumps up and down, walks on fire, uh, jumps out of helicopters, climbs mountains. <laughs> and if I just simply do enough of that, I would actually be a motivational speaker. And there's, there is good in that. And, and it's a good thing in itself. And I'm not knocking it per se, but what I like to say about motivational maps is we have a science as well. And it's not just about most of this rah-rah speaking really leads to two weeks of energy and then people go back to work and then slowly but surely within two weeks, all that energy from that motivational speaker dissipates and we're back to normal because nothing has changed in the organization. So what we're trying to do, what I say is I'm not a motivational speaker, I'm a motivational expert. And being an motivational expert, I'm going to provide the expertise for you within your own team, within your own uh, organization or company to be able to embed motivation because you understand how it works. We've got the language and the metrics to enable you to make motivation work for you. That's, um, that um, sums it up very nicely. Um, and also I was going to mention, um, because it's, it crops up a lot in conversations that I have, um, and it's no secret that um, I use motivational maps in my business. But um, I get asked about the difference between motivation and inspiration. Have you got um, a view on that? Well, I do have a view on it. But first thing I have to say, Mark, Mark Terrell, you are a very perspicacious person, wise <laughs> beyond your years. The fact that you use motivational maps in your practice shows that you are going to the very top of your profession. So let me just congratulate you on that. But on the actual question itself, yes, there is a distinction to be made between motivation and inspiration. And in a way, I genuinely believe that motivation is something that can be taught and learned, whereas inspiration is much more intangible. But the essence of the difference is this. Motivation is actually something that you're experiencing now in the present, and it's either being satisfied or it's not being satisfied. So you know from motivational maps we have nine motivators, and either you are feeling secure uh, or you're not. And if you're not feeling secure, you want more security, or you're feeling an expert or you're not, and so you'll want more training and learning. In, so in other words, what I'm saying is motivation in one very real sense has what I call a present tense orientation. It's about the now. Inspiration, on the other hand, actually has a future tense perspective. Because what inspiration does, it appeals to your imagination as to what you might be. So in one sense, motivation is fueling your, your uh, self-image, but the inspiration is fueling your ideal self. So imagination, of course, is one of, well, well, there are three tools for personal change, three tools ultimately that actually transform us into the people that we can become. And they are one, desire. So that actually 
is essentially motivation. Our motivations for things, for states, for qualities, for characteristics, our motivation for these are our desires. So our motive, our desires draw us forward. So desires, whatever they say in certain philosophies, are really important. We need to understand what they are and we need to cultivate them. The second thing that draws us forward is actually our imagination. Now, our imagination, as the word says itself, is imagine, image. It's this creation of pictures in the mind that actually may not currently exist. They may not be part of it, but there is a future state that we want to be in. And that is what inspiration does. And we need to bear in word, the origin of the word inspiration is inspire as opposed to expire, where we breathe out. So a breathing in, an inspiration is a breathing in of the spirit which fuels the imagination. And the third thing, which I haven't mentioned, uh, but I'll mention as a personal tool of development, which is so powerful, are our expectations. And our expectations are our beliefs about future outcomes. So in other words, if I believe that having a chat with you on a podcast was a complete waste of time, then that would actually demotivate me to want to actually have this podcast experience. But my expectation is, is it'll be great fun. I'm going to really enjoy myself. It'll be beneficial for my business, beneficial for your business. And actually, we'll get a good result. And actually, because I have that belief system, it's highly likely that that will materialize in the real world somewhere down the line. So these three tools, desires, expectations, and imagination, as you can see, are linked to motivation and imagination. And the distinction is really what I'd call a present and future tense orientation. Right. Excellent. Um, and very comprehensively described there. Um, um, so just moving on then to a bit more about what you do and what your role is. And um, I note that your title within um, Motivational Maps as a business is now Creative Director. Yes. Uh, when, when you say creative, uh, uh, tell, us, tell us what that entails. Well, it entails two things, a positive and a negative. The negative is that it would be a fatal mistake for me to be the managing director. And so we, ha we had a consultant in some years back, you may know him actually, but we had a consultant in some years back who, who, who said, Linda, my wife, must be the managing director. We need somebody to curb me, to stop me, to actually, you know, you know, just actually put a break on what it is I may or may not do at any given point. And this is, it's worked wonderfully. It's one of the best decisions we made. So I could not be the managing director because I am too over the top. So actually, Linda is brilliant as a managing director. She actually has got a view of the future, a view of what we're doing, and she stops me from over reacting to things. Uh, so that's great. The positive side of calling myself the creative director is that actually probably the primary thing that I do within Motivational Maps now, uh, since I've stopped training and coaching myself directly, so um, in order to focus on the business, um, is what I would call product development. So the, the creation of products and ideas that actually enrich the business for the benefit of the whole community, that is what primarily I actually am responsible for. So you need to bear in mind with Motivational Maps, we currently have at least, if you, I mean, I'm not even counting books and manuals and all the other stuff, right, as, as, as part of the package, but we've got at least five online products. Mm -hmm. We have the Motivational Maps, Maps, the mother product. From that, we've got the youth map. We've got the team map, 
We've got the organizational map. And through uh, motivational leadership and Kate Turner, we've also got um, um, an e-learning package. Mm-hmm. So we've actually got five absolutely quite distinctive tools and we will have more in due course there's more to come so you know uh, developing products is is very very important and so that is why i'm called the creative director of 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 motivational maps as well as the fact i happen to like uh, the word creative and as a matter of fact i happen to have creator as my number one motivator so you know the whole universe is aligned <laughs> with my destiny. It's, my de- it's your destiny, Luke. <laughs> uh, so that's a perfect um, lead on to actually, I was going to ask you about Linda. She's the managing director. So what, what uh, is the difference between her motivations and your motivations, which makes her a good uh, uh, manager or, or, or maybe leader? I don't, I don't know which, what, what we describe well, her. It's very difficult to describe your wife in public, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> any man who does that is really taking a huge risk. If I was just to give you one little insight based on one little fact about motivational maps, would that suffice you and you won't press me any further? That would be just what I'm asking okay. for, no more than that. Okay, one little fact about, and don't tell anyone, please, it's just between you and me, Mark. One little fact about Linda Sale, my wife, is, is that the builder is in her top three. Okay, say no more. Perfect. <laughs> that's, um, it's well, not in my top. I think we, sh- we shouldn't assume everybody that's listening to this um, knows what a builder is. So could you just um, give well, a Well, I'll let you. You, you, you know, you're a business practitioner. Tell them what a builder motivator is, Mark. Okay, so um, a builder motivation is someone that is motivated by material things and money. So yes. uh, it's something that, uh, with my work, using motivational maps and business people it's quite often uh, well down the list and sometimes might even be their lowest motivator and then they wonder why they're not making money uh, and exactly. it's because and, and it's because they're not motivated by money and interestingly exactly. i had a conversation with my daughter today she's actually just got a new job she's a um, lovely person and, um, uh, yeah, lovely she's, person and she um first thing she said was um con- uh, motivational maps she said you know um, they're the only thing that I've ever done that I've really, really got something out of and understood straight away, um, which obviously is great feedback for you. But also what Marvelous. I said to her at the time was that she was telling me about the negotiation moves that she was having with her new employer about her salary and her, and her, her bonus and all the other things that was, that was part of the package. And I said, look, I've got to take my hat off to you because I would not be uh, as um, good at negotiating that package as you were. And she said, well, why is that? And I said, because, well, you should know that because you know what motivates me. And I said, and I, you know what motivates you. I said, you know that what motivates you, one of the top three is Builder. And, and it's Builder is not in my top three. And that's the difference. She said, ah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and it made, yeah. That's a and brilliant observation. It's a brilliant observation, Mark. And the thing to, to, to tell the listeners as well, of course, is, is that, you know, even when we know motivational apps, it's still so easy to imagine people are like us. We keep mm-hmm. thinking people are like us, but they're not like us. And the motivational mm-hmm. apps exactly pinpoint what that difference is. And that, that's exactly it. Exactly yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So it was a great example today. A great uh, example. I think it'd be worth mentioning, actually, why you called them motivational maps as opposed to motivational <laughs> yeah. something else. Yeah, well, again, you see, um, originally they were called the wine list. This was my idea. Um, wine list, and this came about through 
how the maps were actually originated with the models. And you'll know that one of the things I studied to look at in order to create my model was uh, Edgar Schein's career anchors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember exactly what was in it now, but there was something about work, you know the, the inner experience of work or something like that. And so from this, I picked up an, the, 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 what I thought was a catchy acronym called the Wine List. And so the original title of Motivational Maps was the Wine List, and wine in capital letters stood for work in a needs experience or something like that. Work in a needs experience, and I thought this was really catchy. Um, it was absolutely dreadful, and it was like one of those. You know, I, I'm not a marketeer, and um, and so clearly that showed I wasn't a marketeer, and so. I, it began to dawn on me that nobody could make sense of it either. What I thought was, oh, they'd all want to do the wine list because it sounded so, you know, like they were having a sort of Valentine tonight with, you know, James Sale with the wine list, you know, like the chocolate list. And um, uh, and we, we got this negative feedback from it. And I was sitting there talking to she who must be obeyed, my wife, at the MD of the company one day. And, and she said, well, what is it you're doing? And I said, well, yes, these motivations. We, we're, we're measuring motivation. We're measuring motivation. Well, motivational maps then, she said. <laughs> she just came out with it. Oh, maps. And as soon as you said it, I thought, Jesus. I never realised that. I never realised that Linda was the... Uh, the no, Linda. Linda, Linda yeah. came up with the wow. name. I mean, she comes up with lots of things, actually. She doesn't get enough credit for what she does, but she actually comes up with so much stuff. I mean, she truly is uh, an equal partner in this. I mean, I, mm. I, I have created the maps, but yeah. there's so much around this, uh, you know, with the admin system and everything else. Uh, Linda's, Linda's brilliant. So mm. it's, she came up with the name. Yes, and I'm guessing she must have um, creator up, up there in her top three oh, because yes, I think she does some fabulous two. work with the books. Um, yeah, yeah. We haven't yeah. mentioned. Well, you did mention that you write books, um, and obviously it would be remiss not to mention the books because we've already had two of your co-authors on this uh, podcast already. Um, oh, marvelous! Uh, and um, Steve. Oh, marvelous! Uh, and. Um, Yes, yeah, so uh, she designs the covers of your books and uh, does the all the figure drawings inside. All the illustrations within are also by Linda. Yes, so she, um, she's actually very intricately involved with the production of the books with me. So um, you know, we do the we do the uh, pen uh, the uh, oh, what's it called? The index, the index at the end of the book. Uh, all that, which is very time consuming work. We do that together. We work yeah. that out together. So uh, yes. yeah, she's very involved. Yeah, uh, and um, yes, and obviously without. Um, Going too much detail, she's she's says um, she's an artist in her own right, isn't she? She's an artist in her own right, very successful yeah. artist, and she's yeah. fabulous. Look up um, Linda Sale, um, and you might come across something that you might uh, like to buy because yeah. there's some Linda stuff I've seen. E Sale, Linda E, e Sale, e that's Sale. the artist. Okay. Yeah, Linda E. The E in the middle makes all the difference. Don't forget the E. Um, Don't forget well. the E, Linda E Sale. Okay. Right, so I think it's about time we probably looked um, back to my first experience because you mentioned the wine list, and oh, yes. um, it wasn't so long ago actually. You emailed me to say I found this; you might be interested, and it was my wine list, wasn't it? Yes, yes, <laughs> it was indeed. Yes. Um, um, when, you, and, when you clear out the old junk and you find the name Mark Terrell, you think, "Oh, scrap that," and then you look at it, "Oh my goodness me!" So the the reason why. Um, it'll be worth uh, visiting is that I did that wine list and and the reason why, one of the reasons why I use motivational maps, apart from the fact, obviously, that they're so useful and they, they are, um, you know, they're, they're second to none when it comes to helping people you know, make um, decisions, it, um, is that um, 
I've forgotten what I was going to say now. Oh, God. Oh, you, uh, you wanted to go back to the beginning. When you yes. Uh, well, the, the thing is, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, put me back on track there. Um, the thing is that I didn't pay enough attention to that, what it was telling me at the time. Uh, and that's what I always am mindful of. When I'm using the information myself and I'm with my clients, I make sure that they understand what it's telling them. So in other words, what my wine list was telling me back in the day was that the thing that least motivated me is managing people. My director motivator was the thing that least motivated me. So the thing that I get out of bed to do, um, the, the, it wasn't to actually uh, lead and manage a team. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. in the latter days of my retail business, what was I doing? What was I doing? Spending most of my time uh, doing teams. something that didn't motivate me. Yes. And also, I was not doing enough or hardly any of the things that did motivate me. Yes. Uh, and so it was a double whammy. Uh, yes. and, and I come across that so many times where people are doing things um, too much of what doesn't motivate them and not enough of what does motivate them. So it's almost, um, you know, um, like a, yeah, it's like I say, a double Downward double spiral, a, down, a downward spiral. The yeah. thing is, Mark, you mustn't beat yourself up because, in fact, I, I could take some blame myself here. I mean, I am absolutely convinced I told you this information and I advised <laughs> you. However, you need to bear in mind, we all need to bear in mind, that when I did so, the tool was relatively new. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was testing it out on people. And the kind of certainty that we now have about this, having done 50,000 maps, wasn't there at the beginning. Neither, if you think about it, uh, was the actual quality of the output. I mean, the original versions of the map were good, but they didn't look spectacular. And they didn't have that kind of, they, they weren't ISO approved. Um, they didn't have these books behind them. And, you know, mm-hmm. so in a way, part of influencing people is to do with the authority that you have the credibility and the authority that you have. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to be credible and you have to have authority. And it's not that we as coaches or consultants need to go up and start sort of like laying down the law with people, but I think there are subtle signals we can give whereby we could make what we're saying more telling, more effective, more powerful for people than perhaps I made for you back then you know, uh, 15 or more years ago when it was very early days with that. I mean, I've always been a confident person, so I'm not pretending I was some uh, wallflower at the back then, but it was a new product. Uh, it was being tested out. You were one of those people I was testing it on, and I don't think maybe I was emphatic enough about the implications for you. Also, too, you need to bear in mind the other thing. You were in a family business. Mm. Um, you had a family yourself to think about, um, you were in a cash generative business, and it's actually very difficult for anybody when, when they're in the middle of a war zone to start thinking about what it would be like outside the war zone. You, you weren't just, you, it wasn't that you were just surviving, you were making a good living, but actual fact, the problems of running a retail thing were just 24 uh, 7. Mm-hmm. You didn't have time to think about it, so you wanted, you wanted the easy win. So I was advising you, you were taking some easy win situations, were very useful, but mm-hmm. the root problem wasn't being addressed. So what you were doing, you were doing the symptoms, but we weren't doing the causal stuff, which is a classic thing that happens in the medical profession. They, they, they give you a symptomatic drug that covers, you, know, you get rid of the headache, but what's causing the headache? is not being got rid of. So um, I think we can excuse ourselves a little bit. We were young then. 
we were young. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. It's good, <laughs> we to, know know about, it's good to know 15 years later, though, at the time I was a guinea pig. But um... <laughs> Yeah, and I charged you full whack for it. So you're ready for that. <laughs> yes, I'll... I'll, uh, I'll, I'll I'll have a word with my lawyers about that and see. What yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll have a job, mate. I've spent it. I've spent it. There's nothing left. <laughs> okay. I think we should um, obviously bring this into context with um, leaders as such. Um, we mentioned my, my leadership um, experience with uh, in my family retail business and all that. And I think, and also you mentioned earlier about the two pronged it's about motivating ourselves firstly and yes. then uh, motivating our team a bit like the scenario with um you know when they tell you when, when you're on an airplane um make sure you put your mask on yourself first before you help everybody yes. else yes exactly so, so it's important that if you're in a leadership position if you want to motivate your team the first thing you've got to do is make sure that you're motivated is that true to say I would say that's absolutely true. You have to actually address the motivational issues for yourself. And in fact, in a bizarre way, it's not just being motivated and the effect that it has on everybody around you. It's that how can you possibly expect people to want to assess themselves if you've never assessed yourself and you don't even know how that process might work for you? I mean, in fact, there's a whole issue of competence there, you know, the expertise of doing this. You have to go through that process. And in fact, there is a third point, which is that, you know, if you don't go through that process, where's the humility? You know, it's like, I know best. I'm okay. I'm okay, Jack. It's everyone else who's got a problem. It's the kind of mindset guaranteed to lead you into problems in the long term. Mm. Mm. So once you sort ourselves out and we know that we are motivated and we're doing as much as we can of the things that motivate us, mm. we've then got to think about the team that we lead. Um, yes. what, how, how do we... Obviously, motivational maps are going to help with that. But what have you? What was you? You've been a, obviously a, a, a trainer before motivational maps. So, in your experience, what would you say to someone that's maybe new to a leadership position and how to motivate them, uh, their team? Um, well, I'm actually currently, as you know, writing a book, a fourth book, in fact, on mapping motivation. This one's actually called Mapping Motivation for Leadership. And uh, in the last two or so years. There has been an exciting new development in um, the application of motivational maps. So, I mean, I could just talk about the team map, but actually probably Steve Jones has talked about that. Bevis may have talked about that. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about how to use the team map. So rather than repeat that information, I would like to introduce perhaps your listeners to something new and exciting about how to use motivational maps. And what's been discovered, and it was discovered by one of our top motivational, motivational maps practitioners called Mark Turner, who actually heads up our youth map, but he discovered this through, uh, through his own ingenuity, basically. But really, it's what we call uh, motivational 360-degree appraisal. And um, what this involves is, is that it's using the team map facility on the, on the system, but instead of actually just getting your, uh, your team members to complete their team map and then comparing how everyone's motivators look as a team, which is invaluable, is incredibly useful. What we ask them to do and what this book has got a couple of chapters about is actually, uh, you know, take a look at your leader and think about their behaviors and what they do. And based upon your observations of their behavior, complete a motivational map as if you were that le your leader. 
And so what we end up with is, say, for example, say there are seven people in the team, six, six people plus the leader, seven, six people then think about the, what they think their leader is in terms of their, how their behaviors impact them, and you get a map. And my goodness me, Mark, <laughs> the revelations, the complete, you know, you just can't believe it. I mean, if you think that the leader doesn't understand, the, the, doesn't understand their own motivators and can't understand their team's motivational profiles, wait to get a dose of them thinking about their leader. Uh, we had one of these, and actually this one was in the, I think this was, I get mixed up which book's which, but in the, I think it was in the engagement book, where really uh, it was done from the perspective of the, of the team member rather than the leader. So this is from the perspective of the leader now. But from the perspective of the team member, their own leader had absolutely no idea of what was motivating them. And yet we know I mean, I, I actually make this assertion in the book. When we actually break down what leadership involves, leadership, at least 50% of leadership is about motivation. It's that tightly correlated. And yet, when you look at all the literature on leadership, most of it only pays lip service to motivation. And usually, it doesn't go much further than Maslow and Hertzberg and those old models. They're not saying they're bad models, but those old models which are trotted out time and time again. Because there's no language, because there's no metric, people kind of swan over it and they get on with the stuff they're comfortable. So leaders need to have a vision. So they do a vision planning exercise and they'll do something else. But actually, you know, even building teams is about leadership. So leaders, leaders need to um, motivate individuals on an individual basis. They need to motivate the teams. And then there are various other things they do where, where actually the motivation factor, for example, the number one thing some people argue that a leader does of all the activities that they do, and there is a logic in saying this, is recruitment. Because, of course, if you recruit the wrong people, you have a motivational issue right at the very beginning. So you recruit people. But do you, when you do the recruitment process, take on board actually the motivation of this person? Have they got real motivation or is it a false motivation? Because everybody at interview appears motivated. They turn up, they put on a show. They're all, everyone's motivated. They have CVs that appear motivated and motivational, but actually you don't want demotivated people. I had a real case example once with an insurance company. This is absolutely true. I was working with them for four years and they had motivational maps embedded in their culture until they were bought out by a big, a much bigger national corporate, and and then new leadership came in, and you know, the, it's a changing of the guard. They had their people, so it, it ended. Although it had been fabulously successful, you could even argue that part of the fact that they got bought out was because they were so successful and they had their people stuff sorted. But I had a situation once where I went away for a uh, month's holiday in the summer. And they had access to using the maps internally. They were trained internally to use the maps. Uh, and I came back, and I, I hadn't been following it when I was on holiday. And I, and I looked at they'd, they'd appointed uh, three new people in my absence. As, you know, how dare they without my permission? But they'd appointed three new people. And I looked at one of the maps, and the other two were fine. And I said, Jesus, I thought, they just appointed a guy who's 28% motivated. So I phoned up the CEO and I said, I've just looked at these, this stuff you've passed on to me. And I, you've appointed this guy, I can't remember his name now, but they call him Darren. You've got Darren and Darren's 28% motivated. Oh, yes, 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 mm, yes, I, I know about that. I said, but why have you appointed somebody who's 28% motivated? Oh, you know, 
he's in a terrible job at the moment. It's, it's very demotivating for us. So we understood that. And, and of course, he, that's why he wants to be with us. I said, no, you, you don't understand. He said, something I hadn't made clear to him. You don't understand. I said, don't understand what? I said, he's 28% motivated in the job he's in now. In six months, he's going to be 28% motivated in your job. He's allowed himself to become demotivated to that level before he's taken action on it. And do you know what? Within a year, they had to dismiss him, which could have been prevented by a more, a more interrogative way of asking questions that have got to the underlying motivation. Mm-hmm. Here was somebody that took jobs on, uh, you know, uh, was all excited to begin with, and very quickly got bored and then got demotivated. And then it was the problem of the company. So, you know, this whole thing about recruitment and motivation is vitally important. So the leader is somebody who needs to take a really proactive stance. If they don't do it themselves, they're having a system in place where something like the MAP system is there so that they can establish Am I employing somebody who is genuinely motivated or am I employing somebody who appears at interview to be motivated? Yes, yes. And I've just had an interesting conversation with uh, one of my practitioners that I trained about, because he was working with, um, he's a recruiter, and he's mapped the um, existing team and they are looking to bring somebody in as another director. Um, And they, um, funnily enough, we talk about Builder again, none of them had Builder in their top three and they wondered why then the, the business wasn't really growing um, and yes. making money. Yes. So uh, we obviously had the conversation about, well, obviously that new person that comes in has to have more of a Builder um, yes. drive in them. But obviously be yes, aware that obviously not only that, is if, if, they, if they come in with that motivation, it's obviously going to be um, – maybe in conflict with the, the existing um exactly culture. yeah exactly. So there's two things to think about there bring the right yeah. person in to get what you want but actually be aware that that person might not be the person uh, he's not yeah. that person might not be like you but actually you yeah. should have to um, embrace why they're not like you because what yes. the party is what you need well, the thing about it is, is that I think two things here. Firstly, it's actually motivation, motivational diversity. Motivational diversity is actually potentially a really good thing. But to actually embrace motivational diversity, you need to understand the kind of person who's going to be motivationally diverse to you is going to really annoy you. <laughs> Very high probability. The key thing is whether the values are going to be the same. So underneath the, the motivators, I mean, what are the values? If the values align and this is a high self-esteem person, it doesn't matter how much they annoy you, they're worth having. Mm-hmm. But if they don't align, then the motivational conflict is going to be fatal. Right. It's, it, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but I'm conscious yes. of time. And, um, yeah, well, you move uh, on, man. And I, I know I'm, I've only got an hour of your time maximum, so we've got to think about wrapping up um, at some point we, in, in the next yeah. uh, few minutes. So, I, I make um, a lovely Christmas gift. <laughs> do you? Yeah, if you want to wrap me up, I mean, I, I, I'm wonderful. <laughs> so, with with, um, with in view of um, sort of wrapping things up, what I tend to ask um, the podcast um, interv- interviewees, uh, guests, is um, could you leave our listeners with maybe three top tips um, around, in your case, motivation that can they can take um, forward in their leadership role? Yes, I could. I could do that. Absolutely. Um, uh, so what would I say? So what three things do I think are absolutely mission critical for mm. a business? Now, obviously, 
I think what I'm about to say would apply to a corporate too, actually, but I'm really thinking about SMEs. I'm thinking about the kind of businesses I'm involved with, I've run myself, and the kind of people, the entrepreneurial kind of people like myself who, and like yourself mm-hmm. who, who get things done. So number one thing, uh, which will come as no surprise based on what I've already said, would be to innovate by productizing services wherever possible. So what that means is, is that we need to keep on productizing and creating products, um, and particularly when you have services, how we can actually productize them as well as being a service, which means really, can I make things cheaper, faster, better? So the better is obviously um, the quality issue. So can I make things of a higher quality than what currently exists? I mean, it's no accident, for example, that motivational maps I, I think when we position the pricing of it in the market, you know, it's significantly lower than most, if not all, psychometric tools that I'm aware of. You know, it's actually, it's cheaper. It's immediate because it's online uh, when we think the quality is better. So, you know, we're trying to, and we're trying to create more stuff on the back of it. And that also means, and, and it's allied with the idea of innovation, is that what we're trying to do as a business, and we should bear, keep in the forefront of our minds all the time, is to develop multiple income streams from these product developments. So you need to remember always, you're not a real business till you're making money when you sleep. So that drives me. Um, uh, it drives me because I don't believe in pensions much. I haven't got much of a pension anyway. And, you know, really, I don't really want to sort of give up being creative. So, you know, I want to drive on and actually um, create lots of multiple income streams for the business. And I think anyone in business should be doing that without going outside their core competence. So it's not about having just lots of ideas from different people that don't fit together. It's actually creating it from the core of what you start with and what the, what you start with then grows and grows and becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So mm. that's what I'm talking about. The second thing I would say, and I've had some so much experience with this, I can't begin to describe it. The best way of saying it would be to sell, sell, and sell again. And, you know, the... Down the, the, the other side of it, what I'm trying to get at, I'm saying the, the heads of sell, 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 the tails is don't get drawn into overarching, large and expensive marketing projects which suck money out of your business, but whose return on investment is highly speculative. I mean, a number of people have tried to get me and, you know, some have got me to move a little bit on this into, you know, if you just do this, if you just do SEO, you just do this, you just do that, you just do something or other, and this marketing is going to automatically generate revenues for you. I've always found that the kind of people that keep advocating marketing stuff can't sell for toffees. Really, they can't <laughs> sell for toffees. They're just used to selling. And selling is so important. So we in Motivational Mats prefer lots of small sales rather than gambling on one big one. We know various businesses where they've had one big client and then they go out of business when they lose it. It's like, to us, the, that kind of marketing is like um, trying to hit the jackpot. So it's rather like gambling for us. We don't like it. So small fish are uh, very sweet. So having lots of clients from lots of different angles helps future-proof your business. So for example, with us, we have um, corporates, we have SMEs, we have coaches, consultants, and trainers. We're in the UK, we're in 13 other countries. And so what we're trying to do, we've got sort of youngish middle-aged people we've got quite older people we've got different ethnic races we've got a great range of men and women you know so in fact it's really a very diverse um you know nearly 500 of these 
kind of, uh, well, nearly 500 uh, clients, basically. So um, we'd like to think we're not going to come out of business because suddenly somebody gets stroppy with us or dumps us. Mm-hmm. We're just going to carry on because we've, we've made it quite strong by selling, selling, and selling again. Yeah. Okay. So, and the third, the third thing uh, I would say from bitter experience, and it's probably summed up best by Warren Buffett, but, you know, basically only work with good people because, as Buffett observed, you can't get a good deal with a bad person. <laughs> so whether we're talking about uh, employees, suppliers, or clients or customers, uh, I mean, when you get started, sometimes you can't afford to be too cheesy. You just got to get off the ground. You've got to, you know, but the more success you get, I think the more choosy you should be about who you spend time with. So here we get to the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. Uh, and this principle seems to contradict point number two, because at point number two, I'm saying sell, sell, sell to anybody sort of. Um, but I don't think it's totally incompatible. So I think... Um, you know, small fish are sweet, and often you can make small sales, and there's no big investment of your time or commitment of effort for you. You can just do it. But when you get to a certain volume of sales, you very quickly can see that, you know, who the good people are, people with values, with ethics, who are honest, consistent, who do what they say they're going to do, who don't mess you around, whether they're suppliers or they're clients or, or, or employees for that matter, those are the people that you actually need to cultivate, to spend time with, to do things for. And if you identify who the really valuable people are and you add real value to them and their lives, you could absolute guarantee as sure as eggs are eggs and you can guarantee they will reciprocate for you. So Motivational Maps is very fortunate in that we have got some absolutely stonkingly wonderful people in our system and, you know, in the past, we have had, we have, I have personally made some mistakes. I have misestimated people. Even despite the map itself, you still can make mistakes. People talk the talk. People say this. People say that. Mm-hmm. But by and large, we have got some great people. And these great people are going to make the Motivational Maps business much greater than I could possibly make it on my own. So it's very much... And I'm hoping these people too are going to realize their dreams, not me uh, frog marching them, not me franchising them, not me giving them a system they have to follow, but realizing their potential through uh, this particular product and the way we do business. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to back up that, what you've just said, because the the people that I meet, that are practitioners, uh, you know, are great people and they're, they're in it for the, the right reasons uh, and, and that yes. comes across. Uh, and and the, and the exciting thing about motivational maps is that there is so many different uses for them. Is yes. That, and, and, the, and, you know, people, because the way you set things up, people are have license to sort of create um, ways of using the maps. Um, yes. So they're almost, they're, they're creating at the same time as you. So, um, yes, exactly. That, they, that, they're exactly that. You're releasing yeah. their creative. You're empowering people. Yes. They, then, of course, the thing goes ballistic, which is what's yeah. happening. And we know, obviously, one of the things that we tend to want later on in our careers when we're doing something that we want to do tends to be that creative thing that, that rises to the top. Uh, yes. And obviously, we can... Um, 
um, fulfill that, then it's all good for us and obviously our clients. Yeah, so, and actually, here's, here's a benefit, just to add one thing to that. But mm-hmm. the, 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 re, the reason for doing it, you know, if you, you, we come on to what has now become a cliche, is you know, do what you love. It, but it's a true cliche. But the thing is, one really overwhelmingly powerful reason for doing that, it's not just because it makes you feel better about yourself. Actually, it's for longevity's sake. Mm-hmm. All the businesses that really last really have this kind of overarching people love it and, uh, you know, their, their successors love it. And, and it carries on because there's a love for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's not a get rich quick. Somebody once said, and it's a very profound thing, you know, um, the purpose of life is not to breathe air. Okay. We have to breathe air. The purpose of a business is not to make money. We have to make money. The purpose of a business is much higher than that. The purpose of your life is not to breathe air, although you must breathe air, otherwise you won't have a life. But the purpose is fundamentally different. So mm-hmm. when you get to that higher purpose, of course, you're actually in a magical area. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of a better place to finish um, this this interview than that. I think that's a great way to uh, leave our listeners thinking about what is their purpose, why do they do what they do, uh, and make sure that that's at front of mind when you're making decisions, whether it's for a business or whether you're uh, planning your career. Make sure that what it is that motivates you uh, and that your purpose, more, uh, more importantly, is always being fulfilled at some point. Well, thank you, Mark, for inviting me. I really appreciate you inviting me. I was just about to say the same, James. Thank you for your time. I know you're very, very busy, um, and I am very grateful for you coming on today. And hopefully we will have another talk at some point in the future. But for now, uh, I'll say goodbye. Great speaking to you, and uh, I look forward to following your success with great interest. Thank you for listening today. As action leads to outcomes, make sure you make a note to start, stop, or continue doing whatever struck a chord in this episode. Don't forget to subscribe at thereluctantleader.co.uk where you'll find links to all the past episodes, vlogs, blogs, and how you can get in touch with me. Until next time, bye for now.